a passion from betrayal. Amen. I, I, I got the, the old Baptist finger. Somebody told me the mic is too loud. It's not the mic. It's me. I'm just loud. Y'all didn't know that? Amen. That's all right. When I want to yell, y'all catch me. Oh, thank you. I got, I got, I got my help. I got my help. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We're going to open up the window so they can hear us outside. We're going to turn up the value. Come on, somebody. It's good outside, man. We, we can move outside. Come on, somebody. We might be there tomorrow night. Just don't know. Subject to be changed by the Holy Ghost. Passion from betrayal. If you have your Gospels with you, if you open up, uh, I'll put it like this. You can open up to Matthew, the 26th chapter. Somebody can open up to Mark, the 14th chapter. Somebody can open up to Luke, the 22nd chapter. And I'm saying that because you can choose whatever you want. I'm going to read them all. But you're going to see that in these Gospels, they have a similar story, but they tell it a different way. But the point is the same. We're going to talk about Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him, that Judas. You know, there's a couple of Judas in there, but they always describe this Judas as Iscariot to make sure you don't confuse him with the other Judas. And then they always use this, this, this describer. He's the one who betrayed him. I found out in my reading when they mention Judas, they don't mention him. The one who betrayed him is when he's doing the betraying. Because it's obvious which Judas they're talking about. The Judas that, that decided to turn him over is doing it. He kissed him. So everybody, where you want to be in the gospel, your favorite one you chose out of Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Or in Matthew 26, chapter, Mark 14, chapter, and Luke, the 22nd chapter. I'm going to read all of them to you uh, from the New American Standard uh, Version. The first uh, coming from Matthew Then one of the twelve, named Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me to betray him to you? And they weighed out thirty pieces of silver to him. From then on, he began looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus. Moving to Mark, the Gospel of 14, starting at verse uh, 10, uh, it says, Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went off to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. They were glad when they heard this and promised to give him money. And he began seeking how to betray him at an opportune time. Now to the Gospel of Luke, starting at verse 3. And Satan entered into Judas, who was called Iscariot, belonging to the number of the twelve. And he went away and discussed with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them they were glad and agreed to give him money so he consented and began seeking a good opportunity to betray him to them apart from the crowd i just wanted to read these matthew mark and and luke's gospels to you to see how these gospels recorded what he's done in the synoptic gospel they all have how he decided to betray jesus for something. He decided to betray Jesus for something. Y'all catch that? He did not betray him for nothing. He betrayed him for something. That something the text points out was 30 pieces of silver. 
in Matthew's gospel, you see they go, it moves to this after he started complaining about Mary giving the oil and how much money he could make. So you can see a smooth transition. He's a thief concerned about money, and then he goes to the chief priest to get some money to betray Jesus. He said, what will you give me to betray him? Saying, in order for me to betray him, you first got to give me something. I, I want to highlight tonight on a passage from betrayal how Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed but had a passion from that betrayal. From the betrayal came the passion. Passion from betrayal. Then in the betrayal, I want us to look at the betrayal and look at what was Judas thinking about? First, we see in Luke's gospel that he was under the devil's influence. It says the devil has entered into him. It says Satan entered into him. We see, that, we see that again in John's gospel while he is sitting down at the supper table. It says, and Satan entered into him. And then he got up and left. So we see here on Wednesday, he decided on a down day while Christ might be just chilling, doing nothing, that he sneaks away. He sneaks away to go see the Pharisees and the officers or the Sadducees, seeking how he might betray him away from the crowd. Says he's seeking a good opportunity because the Pharisees and Sadducees were looking for a good opportunity to trap him, but they were fearful of the crowd. Look through the text. They wanted to stop Jesus, but they realized that, look, they, they said as they came in, said, look how they go after him. What can we do to stop them? So they were frustrated. But they found Judas, one of the twelve. Y'all cast that. Judas, one of the twelve, has agreed to betray him. And they were happy because it says the one that's close to him is willing to betray him. We got him in our hands. Sometimes does that feel like it to us that one closest to us is the one that betrays us. And the one that's closest to us that betrays us, they're the one that hurts us the most. Someone you don't care about that betrays you can care less because you didn't care what they thought anyway. But the one you love, the one you care for, the one you work with, and they stab you in the back, they're the ones that you have a hard time getting over. When you look at Judas, we see that Judas is the only one that's not of Galilee. Judas is the only one not from Galilee. Judas must have been an educated man because he took care of the money. There's a saying going around they talk about devious deacons and tricky trustees and pimping pastors. <laughs> Sometimes it looks that way that we might have a Judas that's a tricky trustee. That's thrifting and not being trusting. <laughs> that, that, that they will take things away. And so we see here Judas was the one of high status because he took care of the money. He covered the expenses. I don't want to step on anybody's toes, a little side note, thank you, Holy Ghost, but a lot of churches have problems when it comes to dealing with money. And oftentimes the money problems come from, from the one who's in control of the money. It might be a member, it might be a trustee, it might be a deacon, it might even be the pastor, but yet when one has the hand on the faucet, now all of a sudden it's not the church's money, it's my money. And when it's my money, I'm spending on my things. 
Oh, I don't support your ministry, so you know you cut off. So we see Judas is in the money. He's in the money. And look here, look here. Uh, Jesus knew something about Judas. And we look in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, uh, it talks about in the ninth uh, 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 chapter 44 verses, these words sink into your ears. For the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. He knew he was going to be delivered in Luke, the ninth chapter, in the 44th verse. But, but check this out. He goes on to say that one of y'all is the devil. In John, the sixth chapter, verses 70, 71, he says, Jesus answered them, did I myself not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Verse 71 tells us how this, this is written after the fact, so now they know who it is. It says, now he meant Judas, <laughs> the son of Simon is scared, for he, the one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So you see how after the fact they realized who this devil was. Sometimes we don't see there's a devil among us. Watch out, somebody. Sometimes you're not aware that there might be a devil among you, but you need to be aware that there is a devil. He's not always obvious and blatant in what he's going to do. He's sneaky and conniving. Looking at Judas, under the devil's influence, he was slowly going to the dark side. His betrayals foretold. His betrayal for his motivation. What will you give me in order to betray him? And look what it took. Not much. 30 pieces of silver. It didn't take him that much. It wasn't the 300 denarii. It was just 30 pieces of silver. That's what you pay for a slave. He was willing to betray Jesus for a small token of change, something of little value, but it was money in his hand. When you look at it, many times we got to get real to ourselves. We have betrayed Jesus for a small token. Wasn't much, but at the time, it's what your eyes desire. How the saying goes, how your eyes are bigger than your stomach. How you order a whole lot of food because it looks good on the menu, it sounds good, you saw it good on the plate, but you're unable to eat it. And then you're upset and you're dissatisfied because you did not get what you want. Same thing how the enemy tricks us. I'll give you this in exchange for this, but what you get is not what you want. And so we see Judas willing to betray Jesus not knowing what he's about to get. Because how do we know he's not knowing what he's about to get when we look? In the Gospel of Matthew, he, he, he uh, uh, goes back to them in the 27th chapter, verses 3 and verses 10. I'm sorry, verse, yeah, verses 3 to verses 10. You can look through that. I'm not going to read it to you. But yet, after he, his guilt got upon him for betraying Jesus, he wanted to undo what was done. In Matthew, the 27th chapter, verses 3 through 10, he gets, his guilt gets on him. That he wants to undo what he has already done. He wants to undo what he has already done. But the Pharisee and the Sadducee says, it's too late. We'll take the money back. What we want with blood money. Oh, there's some treacherous folks. They gave him the money to betray him, and they knew he was innocent. And look what they called the money. They called the money blood money, saying, it's not on our hands, it's on your hands, Judas. It's your fault. What we want with this. 
But look what he does. He throws the money at them. And they pick it up and say, well, what are we going to do with this money? <laughs> we can't put it in our treasury because this is blood money. We know what's guilty. We know what's wrong. We, we're not going to put it in this. Yeah, people get self-righteous. When they betray somebody, they want to get self-righteous. Well, I did it because it was right, but we can't. Now we have to justify our actions. So, okay, we're going to be nice. We're going to be philanthropists. We're going to give it to the poor and give it a burial ground for them. But we're going to call the field the blood field. Come on, somebody. Knowing they are wrong. Judas' guilt overtakes him. And looking at what happens, as his guilt overtakes him, it says that he decided to hang himself. I want us to grab that when we betray Jesus, things happen to us when we betray him. Guilt comes upon us. And when guilt comes upon us, we start thinking about what we have done and we want to undo what we have done. But the problem is how life is that you can very rarely undo the wrongs you have done. You rob the bank, you give the money back. You cannot take away that you rob the bank. That's the problem. You gave the money back in full. But it does not take away the criminal act you have done. Judas wanted to give the money back, but he could not take away the secret kiss he gave to betray him. Judas wanted to give the money back, but he could not take away how he did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah who he said he was. He wanted to do that, but yet devil had a hold of him. Imagine how the devil can grab a hold of you when you allow him to deal with you. Just a little bit of sin, huh? It won't hurt. Just a little bit of stealing. Nobody knows what I'm doing. Ah, the devil got a doorway in. He doesn't have to go through the front door. You can go through the window. He'll find any crack to get in. Come the winter time, it always mind boggles me. I talked to my mom about this, how, how one field mouse always tries to get up in my house when it comes winter time. I'm like, how in the world? I'm thinking like the cartoons, right? You know, you got those holes in the wall. You see the mice coming in and out. I have no holes. I don't have a basement. Where did this mouse come from? And then on top of that, it's in the boiler area where that's shut off in the middle of my house. It's going to come on. I'm like, what the world? They find a way in somehow. Just like the enemy. The enemy knows I know where to get in. And I'm thinking this. That, that when I have my lights on and it's pitch black, all they got to do is follow the light. He sees that little crack. That's all they need. The enemy is looking for little cracks in us just to sneak on in. And once he gets in, he makes it his place. They get up all up in your stuff. You ever had a mouse in your house? Well, this is what happens when a mouse gets up in your house. Any, any food you leave out? They're going to let you know they've been there because you're going to see stuff left on that plate. Saying, I was here. You have stuff in your cabinet. You're going to find droppings letting you know, I was here. What's pointing out here, that when the enemy gets in, he leaves mess behind. Mess behind that you have to clean up. Mess that you don't want to touch. Mess you don't want to be. You know, even mess with rat and mice, uh, uh, feces is poisonous by itself. That's what the enemy does leaves garbage behind to cause even more pain and suffering upon you. He does not leave a blessing. But my, my psalm says, for, for surely in the goodness of follow me all the days of my life. So when you have God leading you, he leaves good things behind you. 
But when it's the enemy, he leaves bad things in before you. Judas was overwhelmed. Some suggest that Judas Iscariot's last name has different meanings. Son of daggers, one to be a betrayal, or he was a zealous. Nothing can be confirmed. These are all speculations, but we do confirm this. What does the Bible tell us? It says that Satan entered him. The devil is always at odds with God. The devil is always at odds with God. So whoever God is for, the enemy is against. And since God has called Jesus his son, this is my son, who I am well pleased. The devil heard that and said, oh, this is the Messiah. Let me get to him. They could not get to him. Because his ministry was not to be done that way for him to be die on the battlefield, but he was meant to die on the cross. Because Jesus says the Son of Man must suffer many things. He must be delivered over to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When you look at the word delivered over to the Pharisees and Sadducees and turned over to be persecuted, it's the same Greek word behind there, which means either to be betrayed or to hand over. So Jesus already knew his fate. But he had passion for the betrayal. We see here in the, in the gospel. I wanted to point out to us in, in, in Acts 1.25. <laughs> when all the writer says about Judas, the missing apostle, because there's 11 of them now, not 12. And they were going to draw lots for one to replace the one who has turned aside to go to his own place. That's all he says. He did not say that Judas went to hell. He did not say Judas is burning and dying. He said he went to his own place. That's a sad state when they just say that. They didn't say that he's present with the Lord. Mm. They did not say that he is with him in paradise. Jesus told that to the criminal on the cross. Truly, truly, on today you'll be with me in paradise. But Judas went to his own place. We don't know about Judas in his own place. We know that he died. He died with a heavy conscience. The problem is with us that the enemy wants to hold on to us, that he wants us to realize that once you've done something wrong, there's nothing you can do to fix it, so you might as well die in that mess. Why do people commit suicide? They feel, I cannot change. I cannot. This is, this is as good as it's going to get. I might as well die. But yet, that's not why Jesus died. He died because he knows it can get better. Many of us realize that we can't undo what we have done. Great. I'm glad you realize that because that's why he came. Because we can never fix it. But he can clean up the mess. He can clean up the mess. Look at this passion that Jesus has in the Hebrews. The Hebrew writer talks about in the 12th chapter. As I turn there. Look how Jesus' passion comes from Judas' betrayal. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, looking at verse 1. says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witness to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy of Awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. 
Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. He knew he was going to be betrayed, but he endured that for the joy of you. He endured the shame for you. His passion came from the betrayal. If he was not betrayed, we would not have been saved. The problem is the enemy thought he had him, but he was just a tool in God's great plan. Did not Joseph want to say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good? Didn't Paul get all excited saying, and we know this? What do we know, Paul? We know that all things work out for the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. What you say, Paul? That's why I'm convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God. What you talking about, Paul? Not nakedness, not death, not peril, not principalities, nothing. Do you hear me? And then Paul got excited to the Christian say, be steadfast and unmovable, knowing that your labor is not in vain. So he cast it out. Jesus knew what was going on, but yet he had a passion for us to realize that we don't have to fall. But the problem is that I always wrestle with that Judas had a chance to be redeemed. But Satan had his way. Satan only wants to do is kill and destroy. He wants to chew you up and spit you out. You know what that means? It means that I don't even want to digest you. I just want to get what I want out of you. It's like, like, like little kids with candy and gum, junk, gum. Little kids with gum. They'll chew on it. And once all that sugar flavor is gone, they spit it out and put another piece in. They're not going to chew on that gum all day. There's one what, what they, that sugar. As soon as I get that out, I got no use for you. Get up out of here. That's what the enemy does to you. He just wants to use you and then throw you away. Look what happened to Judas. He was used by the enemy and thrown away. And yet Jesus, yet Jesus knew this was coming. And what I see from this is this, that Jesus even knows that you are going to betray him, but he's still willing to serve you. Judas was at the table and he washed Judas's feet. He washed Judas's feet. Jesus was, even gave Judas power. Power to rebuke demons and heal the sick. You need to cast on this that Jesus saw the potential in Judas, but Judas did not see the potential in Christ. Jesus believed the best out of Judas, but Judas believed the less out of Christ. Because look, Jesus prayed out of, of all of those that was with him, and he chose 12. And out of these 12, one of them was a devil. But he gave him the opportunity to see his glory, to be a witness of him, and be able to convert and change. But yet Judas could not overcome the guilt bearing him. One of the lies of the enemy is that when you do something so wrong, the worst place for you to go is go back to Christ. We, we're going to talk a little bit more about Peter. And how he too betrayed Christ, denied him, but yet something was different in that episode. But I'm not going to spoil you yet. But when you look at Judas, he went to the Pharisees looking for forgiveness. He went to them. I'm here to tell you, you can go to Christ directly. 
Say, Lord, I'm sorry for betraying you. I'm sorry for letting you down. And he alone can forgive you. He alone can redeem you. He alone can correct and fix up and work things out on your behalf. Pharisees and Sadducees were so, impo- so, so powerless that all they could say is that, well, what that got to do with us? It's done. It's amazing how when people use you, once they get out of you, they don't care about how you feel. They don't care how you're going to cope. They don't care about your problems. They've got what they want. You, you know people like that. You, you've dealt with people like that. Some of us, if we be true with us, we've been people like that. And we know how to do that. But yet Jesus, it says, come all ye who are burdened. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Judas had a heavy burden. He could not bear by himself. He looked at somebody to help him out, but they were able to help them out. But I'm glad that I can go to the one who was able to present us faultless and to present us from falling and present us before him forever. We need to look that in betrayal of Christ, that our betrayal does not have to stay in denial. But we can go to Christ and confess. Say, Lord, I messed up. I have betrayed you. I have let you down. I've lied on you. I've cheated. I still I've done whatever you know what you have done. But you say, Lord, I'm going to change now. Judas had one part, but he gave back what he profited from his sin. Some of us have not given back, but we profited from our sins. We hold them on as trophies. Oh, I remember when I did that. Someone still got pictures, have mementos that you need to burn up and throw away. Get rid of the enemy wants you to keep on be reflected and remembered of the things that you used to do. Let them go. Let your neighbor know. Let those go. Oh, talk to your neighbor. Tell them, let them go. Because when you let them go, you're releasing that hold it has on you because it will continue to remind you how inadequate you are, how bad you are, or how your flesh enjoyed what it used to do. But once you get rid of that, it opens up room for you to turn to the one source that truly gives you joy. As we look at our Lord, man's betrayal compelled Jesus to redeem us. Fixing Our eyes, Hebrew says, on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to close out highlighting to us what happened in the garden. I want you to grab. That Jesus had to come because of what happened in the garden. I want you to realize that man already betrayed him one time. And they were going to betray him again and again. But that did not stop him from coming. God made Adam. There was no sin. Adam and Eve sinned. And because of their sin. We all were cursed. We have specific curses in there. Look at them. Woman could, y'all could have birth with no pain. I know y'all mad at Eve, ain't y'all? Man, man, man could sit back and let the wife cook and I'll work. I know y'all mad, men. Aren't y'all mad, boy? 
But instead, a man got to work by the sweat of his brow in order to provide. The woman going to have to have birth and pains and over to birth children. And then also the women, because y'all did not listen, y'all long is for the man. Why is y'all longing for the man? That you have birth and pains. Because when you long for the man, then you will have a child and you get your birth and pains. My God. But God also worked that out because he told the woman that out of you will come the seed uh, that will crush the enemy that set you up in the first place. Look at that. From the betrayal came the passion. Y'all see that? Satan betrayed. They let down God. But yet came the passion right there in Genesis that there's going to be one, a male child, to come to redeem you. Fast forward. All the way to where we are. Satan think I got him. I got him. But Satan now is feeling like a roach under your foot. Pastor Bishop Joe Johnson said this. The devil, people be saying, see, y'all need to stop, retire that phrase, the devil's on my back. He said, the devil has, has no right to ride nothing but the bottom of your foot. <laughs> I said, I like that, Bishop. I like that. He's under our feet. He should be a footstool. We should be saying, thank I'm getting closer to Jesus. <laughs> we need to realize that God has set up our redemption in the garden. And so when we look at that, he's been orchestrating your perfect plan. He's not done with you. But don't you give up on him. Take all your burdens all your guilt, all your issues, straight to God. Don't go to somebody else first. Go straight to God. Then go to somebody else. But go straight to God. Then go to somebody else. Go God to God first. What did Jesus say? Have faith in God. Judas' lack of faith in Christ led him in the wrong direction. Don't let your lack of faith of Christ lead you in the wrong direction. But if it, you do go in the wrong direction... You don't have to stay there. For God is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And the joy is this, that even though you messed up, Christ can clean it up. You don't have to because you can't do it, but he can. So don't feel guilty and overburdened for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Cash your cares. On the one who cares. And the God of all comfort will comfort you. He's a present help in the time of trouble. He's our light. He's our sword. He's our city. He's a strong tower. He's our rock. He's our foundation. He is our redeemer. He is God all by himself. And when you think about who our God is, and we know it. And no matter what we have done, we can turn back to him. Because he's a prodigal God. He cares for his prodigals. He cares for his lost ones so that he can come back and be restored. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Amen.